and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. We got a great guest tonight, uh, Palmer, who uh, shows me a lot of things going on in the UFO world. Uh, sent me a link to uh, Jim Quirk, the Quirk Zone on YouTube. And I watched him and it was like, wow, this guy is great. So he's our guest tonight. And uh, he's got a great sense of humor. He's got a really good background. He he knows the topic, he dives in deep. So um, it's a pleasure to have him on tonight. My blog by uh, Charles Lear this week on our website, Podcast UFO, is uh, Russian UFO reports now in the U.S. congressional record. That's something that George Knapp uh he entered on uh, July 26th when I was actually there uh, sitting behind him that same day he entered that uh, into Congress that day. So that story is all about that. And I got to tell you, I was up in uh, Shag Harbor, did a talk up in Shag Harbor this uh, last weekend, got back on Monday and I almost didn't want to come home. I got to, I got to tell you, it was so much fun. And I, just can't believe the amount of people that came up to me that listened to the show up there. It's really high per capita. I did the talk. I'm going to show a couple of images and uh, they actually make Shag Harbor beer. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't really looked into that particular case, I consider it one of the top cases. It's Canada's Roswell. A lot of people call it. I made a video. It's uh, on my YouTube channel and please do check it out. It's of, I followed uh, this guy, Laurie uh, Wickens around. Uh, what a wonderful guy he is and, and a lot of fun. And he's got that really strong Nova Scotia accident, uh, accident, <laughs> accent, and, uh, uh, and a real swell guy. And here he is. I thought that was a fun clip because we, we were pretty far away from Shag Harbor at that point. We pulled into a restaurant and uh, they actually had a menu with, you know, a flying saucer on it and everything for us. And But anyway, uh, if I started naming names, uh, there's so many people that were uh, so great. Uh, like I said, people came. Uh, one guy said he drove three hours just to meet me. So it was a wonderful experience. People were friendly, beautiful coastline. And uh, the event happens every year. I strongly suggest to go. And I'm uh, thinking of going next year and just taking a week up there and just going to the event um, as uh, everyone else would go and uh, just have a really good uh, visit in the I have been there, you know, a few times in the past, but it's really a, uh, a beautiful, really beautiful location. So I, I got to hang out with some fun people. And uh, then, uh, of course, Dean Aliotto was there. And uh, we're just showing here how serious we take uh, the UFO topic. So you can see that right there. Anyway, uh, so I am about ready to bring in my guests. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you, Martin. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you have, uh, you have a good, you know, a journalist background. And you are, you've taken on this. You, you dive in deep. Uh, I got to ask you, you must do, I've watched a number of your shows and I'm going to, your shows are, your YouTube channel and your podcast is linked. Anyone can check it out. It's linked in the text below uh, in the show notes for those of you listening to audio. Uh, you really make a lot of good points and, you know, you're, you kind of, uh, you can kind of be, hmm, 
you call people out. That's what I'm going to say. You call people <laughs> out. And the people that you call out, I got to tell you, I have to agree. Uh, I have to agree. Now, um, you and I both have kind of the same opinion of the encounters. Uh, Steven Spielberg encounters the second episode. The first episode, I was really glad to see uh, past guest and who I consider a friend, Matthew Roberts, was on that. And uh, and the second and a lot of other friends that uh, people that have been on the show and the episodes here, uh, Robert Powell, people like that. And the uh, the Ariel school incident phenomenon. I watched your video on that and you and I have kind of the same attitude about the naysayer. And, uh, you know, uh, and then I, I, I got some flack from people saying, well, this guy was there. He should be able to say his opinion. And I'm all fine with that. I, I do think, you know, freedom of speech, blah, blah, blah. But right. he really, uh, in 2008, he was an adult. Uh, if he was just a kid when he was saying that something really happened there, he really wants to know what it is. If he was just an adult, fine. I mean, if he was just a kid, fine. But he was an adult. He was about 24 years old in 2008 when he said something definitely happened. Then he goes on, uh, you, you know, the, this Netflix series and, he, series and he's saying, you know, that the other 62 and and there was more than that, by the way, uh, you know, the uh, kindergarten children were not involved. But they did. A lot of them did witness that they weren't interviewed or anything. But anyway, he goes on to say that everyone was a liar. You know, spoiler alert for those of you who have, have not watched that episode. But he's calling uh, everyone saying that they uh, it was kind of a mass hysteria that he created. So you and I both ag agree on that. You know, he shouldn't have. You know, maybe he should have spoken. I don't know why why he did that. I don't understand. But um, there is a reason. I don't know what it is. I would love to have him on with someone like Selma Siddick and have a discussion on that, you know, have them two together. Uh, so anyway, I think, well, this guy's name is Dalen Vico. And I think that, uh, I, I mean, he could just be looking for a, a five minutes of fame or whatever. I mean, something to that effect. I mean, maybe he was upset or holds a grudge because back in 2008, he did the interview for Randall Nickerson for the documentary that finally was released uh last year aerial phenomenon and he wasn't i mean he wasn't featured at all in that documentary maybe he holds a grudge for that maybe somebody gave him money maybe he just was looking to get his face on finally and this was the way he figured to do it i'll just tell a different story than everybody else whatever the case i don't remember seeing him as a kid in any of the old interviews talking i don't remember and, and if it would if he if if that were, were the case there would have been at some kids would have said oh yeah uh it was dale and vico who told pointed out to me and said yeah see i there there's an alien and, and a spaceship i mean it was just so absurd uh and you could tell the way he was talking he seemed like his head was going down his body language it just stunk of lies to me and so that's why and i think the only reason they put him on that show was because uh they probably felt that, that they were uh, they had no choice i mean you hear you have all these 60 some plus kids plus the teachers some of the teachers saying that, yeah, this happened. Oh, well, well, the one teacher was agreed, the headmaster, the headmistress. Yeah. And th and you have all these people. You hear one guy say, no, I I, I was the one who pulled, uh, uh, played a prank and they all fell for it, which is, is absurd on its face. 
I mean, that makes it look like little kids are all dumbbells because, I mean, when you have uh, that would be I, I know what it was like being uh, in first grade, second grade, third grade. If somebody pointed to a rock uh, and said, hey, hey, Jim, there's a UFO and an alien. I would know that it was just a rock. I'm not that dumb. I knew I, I know kids aren't that dumb when they're you know what I mean? That's what this yeah. guy's trying to say. So I, I didn't believe I couldn't. I, I understand why they had him on. I don't think they had a choice. I think they felt like they had to do it. I mean, what else could they do? You have a guy saying something totally different than all these other witnesses. But you could tell the guy was lying. Well, you know, um, someone mentioned that, well, perhaps someone paid him off. And, you know, and then other people are saying how ridiculous that is. But it's not because it has happened in the past. Philip Glass supposedly, uh, purportedly, I don't know, 100 percent certain on that, but he had made an offer to uh, have one of the people involved in the Travis Walton case to claim that it never happened. You know, so th these type of things have happened over the years, you know, but um, it's rare and it really sometimes doesn't make any sense. But I, I do believe that this is such an important case that if they were going to if someone. Usually something like this has to be done out of fear, in my opinion. You know, I mean, someone doesn't want this to be true. It, it, it just disrupts too much. Um, so that's the only motivation I could possibly think uh, but I also um, was saying to uh, my producer, Better Half, et cetera, uh, recently after we watched it, that um, it could be a sour grapes thing. He didn't get put in the show. A lot of people didn't get put on the show. I had a wonderful guest. Francis Cheramuda was on this. Uh, he was an excellent guest. He was filmed uh, for that. And I thought he would have been a great person to have in Randall Nickerson's aerial phenomenon but he didn't make the cut. And unfortunately, a lot of people didn't because Randall had just had so much to work with. And uh, like you mentioned in, in your tape, he took, I forget how many years, you know, many over 12 years, 12 of, or more years yeah, it was to more, do that film. And he put his heart and soul in and everything he had into that. And a uh, beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah. I mean, to me, that movie, the aerial phenomenon film that was released last year, to me, that constitutes, uh, that's evidence. I mean, if you were to go into court of law and hand that to the judge and the jury were to look at it, well, it's obvious. And you, and you were to bring all those witnesses, all those kids who are now adults and put them on the stand. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that would constitute, okay, this is evidence that there's an extraterrestrial presence here because there's no way all these kids could have uh, uh, contrived this insane uh, conspiracy and maintained it for uh, 30 years, basically. It's just it's, that's absurd. That it would be impossible for that to happen. But now all of a sudden we have this one dude coming forward, Dalen Vico, saying, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I made it up. I pointed to a rock and all these kids uh, fell for it somehow. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm lying. You know, I, I lied and now I'm telling the truth. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> right, right. Ridiculous. So uh, just for the people that are watching, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I haven't even looked in the chat room yet. Hello, everyone there in chat. Thanks for joining us. But uh, the newsroom setup you have in the back there, where, where are your, some, some of your clocks supposed to be located? Uh, all over. I mean, I've, it, it, this is the first time I set, we set this up. One of them's Casablanca. One of them's Moscow. One of them's Tokyo. Uh, one of them, Centralia. I don't know if you ever Centralia is near here. You ever hear of the Centralia mine fire? It's a, basically a town. There's it's it's not it's very close to where I live. There's a, a underground mine fire burning. Basically, there nobody oh, lives yes. there anymore. I know You've all about that. that. That's something else. Yeah. And then the last one's Roswell. So oh, of course, yeah. 
So we're going to change the names, change the the, the the locations every now and then. I just haven't gotten around to doing that yet, but uh, I'm going to start yeah. doing that as time goes on. You know? Well, nice jack-o'-lantern <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Uh, now, you had a sighting yourself. Let's, and is that what sparked your interest in the beginning? Uh, well, actually, I had two different things that happened. It was uh, in 1977 and then in 1994. In, in 1977, uh, I was, uh, I guess, eight, almost nine years old around that at that age. Uh, it was in the late summer of 1977, and I wake up in the middle. I used to sleep in an attic in a very small house. I grew up in a small house with uh, uh, I had two brothers and two sisters and my mom and dad, of course. And I and my me and my brother Davey slept up in the attic, and he slept on one side of the room, and I slept on the other side. And in the in between was like a stair, one of those open staircases. And uh, I wake up in the middle of the night when uh, uh, I don't know something woke me up, and I and I sometimes I would sleep with the blanket over my head. I had this thin blue blanket, and I could see through the blanket. I could see the shadow of this hand, it looked like a like a three fingered. It only had three digits on the hand, and it, and they were thick at the bottom and came to almost points. And meanwhile, there was this electronic humming sound, like mm, the like that I could hear. And I and I was wondering what the hell's going on. And uh, I could see this shadow of this hand getting closer to where my head was, and then further away. It just kept on going like this, right? And I'm like, who's there? What's going on? You know, nobody's answering. It just I hear this electronic humming sound. And then I, I was afraid to pull the blanket down. I, I, I was thinking it was the devil or a demon or something. I, at the time, I was an altar boy at, at the Catholic church that was right next to my house, right across the street. And I, that's what I, that's the extent of my imagination at the time. I couldn't figure out what was happening here. And I, was, I peeked out of the blanket in the direction of where my brother was. My brother Davey was on the other side of the room. And I could see his, he was facing toward me and he was sound asleep. And I started yelling to him to wake up right that you know i was scared and 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 meanwhile that electronic humming sound was muffling my voice somewhat and uh so i and then i got really terrified and i started screaming at the top of my lungs for my mom and dad and nobody's coming this must have been i don't know what time it was i have no idea one o'clock in the morning two o'clock i have no clue but i'm screaming at the top of my lungs and meanwhile there's something i could see the sill i could see the shadow i could see through the blanket it was a very thin blanket i could see this hand that was not human and it was moving up and down above my face. And I start saying my prayers and the thing's still there. I would close my eyes and wake it up, wake up or open my eyes again. And they would still be there. And, uh, and, and no, I steal them from my mom and dad every now and then. They're still not coming. And there's that electronic humming sound. And then next thing I know, somehow I, it lasts, the whole in, in, uh, event lasted for like 20 minutes. And somehow I just conked out. And uh, I don't know what happened. And I woke up in the morning the next day. It was in the summertime. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm the first thing I'm thinking is what, you know, what the hell was that? You know, I'm looking around the room. Nothing's there. I go running downstairs and I was trying to tell my mom what happened. She's telling me it was just a dream. I'm, I must have been trying to convince her for like two hours or something. And uh, then I realized at some point, finally, I was like, nobody's going to believe me. I, there was something in the room last night. And nobody's ever going to believe me. I'm just a kid and nobody's going to believe me. I mean, I'm sure now, even if I told the story now as an adult, nobody would believe me either. But but then uh, my dad gets home from work later. I tell him, he tells me it's just a dream. And it got to the point where no, I just had to move on with life and just forget about it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that aliens came in the rooms or I didn't even think of that at the time. It was like years later, like in the late eighties that I was 77. So it had to be in the late eighties. Sometime I was watching some documentary and alien abductions was discussed or talked about. And that's when a bell rang in my head. I was like, and that's what that thing was. That's what was mm -hmm. going on. It explains that electronic humming sound and the, 
uh, the, I passed somehow. I got, I mean, you know, I was terrified, but somehow, you know, I'm just, I get, I knocked out somehow. I don't know how that could be possible. I know it wasn't a dream. I know I was wide awake. I, I w it wasn't sleep paralysis cause I was able to move around. It was, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, so I became interested at then in the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, but then in 1994, I had another incident where, and this was different because this time there was a witness there. And, uh, uh one of my friends, a good friend of mine, Scott, had contacted me and he said he wanted to go, wanted to know if I wanted to go fishing with him. It was a weekday afternoon. It was like, I was in my early, the mid twenties, I guess, 19, yeah, uh, mid twenties. And uh, he wanted to go fishing at this, uh, it was a lake in Pennsylvania called, uh, it was a private community called Beach Mountain Lakes. And there was a lake there, but he didn't want to go fishing at the lake. He wanted to go to this pond off the lake and his mom knew someone there and she got permission to let him go in here and go fishing. I was like, yeah, we're going to go night fishing, you know? So he picked me up. We went there. It was, you know, in the evening, like five, six o'clock or something when we got to this place and uh, we went to this pond, there was nobody else around. It was just us and we're fishing, like just sta like uh, standing on the shore of this pond fishing all night. I remember we weren't catching anything. There was not even a nibble <laughs> for hours. Right. So it gets dark out and, uh, it's like 10 o'clock at night and I turned around to get something out of the tackle box and I'm looking behind, behind me, uh, behind the, like, like, you know, the ponds here. And then behind me is like an open field with some tall grass. And then on the perimeter where there was like a forest. And when I turned around, I saw these three giant bright lights behind the trees, moving behind the trees. And they moved into this little clearing. And I saw there was this odd, big object, like hovering little, somewhat lower than the trees. And it must've, it was as big as a house. And it's just it, with three lights lined up uh, horizontally. And I yelled to my friend, Scott, I'm there. You know, Scott, what the hell is that? And he turned around and I'll never forget the way he said, it. he goes, I don't know. Like the no part was elevated because he, he's starting to realize, mm. wow. And this mm. thing is moving right toward us. Right. And it, it came within, I mean, it, it's moving like this and there's no sound. Right. It must've been only two and a half stories off the ground. And it stopped in midair right in front of me about within 20 feet. And my buddy Scott was standing under the just under the edge of it. And he grabbed the flashlight and he shined it, shined it on the bottom of this thing. Ooh. And that's when I got scared. I was thinking, this thing's going to land right here in front, right here in front of me. Right. I was like, let's get the hell out of here. Right. We start as we start throwing the stuff, the fishing stuff into the back of his pickup truck. The thing just started moving in a different, it came like around like this and it started moving off in a different direction then uh, over the trees. So we're, we threw all the stuff in this pickup truck. And as we're dr driving down this dirt road to get out of there, we can, I can still see it. Uh, he actually told me later, say, I didn't see, I only saw the front of it because I saw the three lights. He was under it. He said it was circular. And, hmm. uh, and, 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 and he also noted, I noticed that it was extremely close to the treetops. And he, he noticed that actually some of the treetops were bending down as it went back over them. And so we're going down this dirt road and and we had to stop because there was at least 20 deer that start running from the direction that that thing just flew. We had to stop and look at these all these deer running across the dirt road. They must have been spooked by this object. Right. And we finally got out of there. And I remember this was near Hazleton, Pennsylvania. And we drove into Hazleton then uh, and we weren't even talking. We were both in shock. And we got, and we went to a, like a Dunkin' Donuts there. And I remember where we got coffees and we're sitting down and I finally said to him, I was like, Scott, that was a UFO. And he's there. I'm not saying anything. I'm not telling anybody. That was his mm -hmm. first reaction. You know, the stigma. Mm -hmm. 
but I know what it was. It was unbelievable. And, you know, but it was real. It was right there and it had absolutely no sound. It was, it was as big as a house. And so there's just no way that this thing could have been made by human beings. There's something here. Well, that's one, I got to say, that's one heck of a sighting. I mean, that, that's, that's one for the books right there, really. And, um, you know, I'm going to ask you, you probably know what I'm going to ask you next. <laughs> Is there any chance there was any missing time at all? You know, that's interesting that you say that because I'm at this time in 1994, I was already interested in this. And uh, uh, I so I knew about missing time by this point. And I actually had seen I, I knew what time it was not long before that happened, because I remember checking my watch. And I remember by the, later on when we were at that Dunkin Donuts at some point, I remember checking my time and I remember taking a mental note that, no, I don't think there, there doesn't look like there's any lost time. Yeah. So yeah. I, it didn't seem that way. Yeah. I did think that that night, actually. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's one heck of a sighting, and uh, you know, for for myself, my sighting was nowhere near as spectacular. It was far far away and all that, you know, comparatively. But uh, the thing that freaked me out the most is that there was no sound, and you know, now let me ask you this: this is a, I think, a relevant question because this does happen as well. Did you notice absence of sound? Uh, you know, I, I, I could have sworn I still heard, might've heard crickets, but I don't okay. remember. I was so, yeah. I, I don't know. And like somebody also asked me one time, did you smell anything? I don't remember smelling anything different. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, it was just, it was just silent. You know, the idea that there was something that big and flying. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. There's no sound. I mean, if it would have been a helicopter, of course that close, I mean, it would have been it wind would have been blowing all over the place you know there was nothing like that no wind no sound nothing yeah i, yeah. I don't know there could have been crickets i i think there might have been i'm not sure i don't remember martin yeah yeah well did you report it no i did not no i did not i wish yeah. i would have i actually had written the date down that next that uh i think the next morning i actually wrote the date down and the time and everything and i know the time but the exact date i don't know now because after many times of moving that piece of paper got misplaced somewhere and unfortunate and you know how that goes with things as time goes on uh but well, uh well thank you I, bro look at uh nice nice little uh thank <laughs> you for that Martin and Jim, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of people that I have actually told about your show really do like it because of the depth that you go into. And, uh, you know, you say it the way it is. You're not afraid to say things the way they are or the way they appear to be. And, oh, wait, before we go on to... Uh, other things, a question here. How close was the craft when you heard your buddy yell? He was right. Was he right I, under I, it at that point? I was the one who said, I told him, like, well, I, I turned around to get something out of the tackle box. And I said, you know, Scott, my friend Scott was just, I don't know, maybe he wasn't that far away from me, maybe several yards. I mean, he was fishing in a different spot on the lake. And when I turned around and I saw the craft, that's, I yelled to him and he looked up and he saw it then, but I don't know. It wasn't that far. Like I was at, you know, it was a small pond. It wasn't that big of a pond that we were fishing. Uh, he, I remember he had said that he had caught fish there before, but that night it was a real hot, warm night. I remember we weren't catching anything, but he was probably about, I don't know, five six seven yards away from me maybe at the most and then when he came when he came over uh he when he saw the craft he start walking toward it a little bit and it went and, it, and while it was still moving and then it stopped 
and he was standing. He that's when he grabbed the flashlight and shined it at the bottom of it, uh, at the belly of it. Remember, I'll never forget the, the like the beam of light from his flashlight going up to the bottom of the craft. But I I couldn't really see the bottom of it because there was the the, the lights on the front of this craft. I just want to point out too, they were like this big. Each one, each light was like this. Yeah. It, it was like giant headlights it looked like that sort of but it was three of them lined up horizontally there was like a space in between you could tell it was a craft you could tell it was one piece like i could yeah. see some blackness there and stuff you could but uh i never got to see the shape of it but my friend scott who was underneath shining the flashlight on the bottom he saw that it was circular uh that's what he said later on i think that might be the last thing that i would do if i was underneath <laughs> you know <laughs> well it was yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're the whole funny thing is, you know, I would have totally forgot. I mean, I went fishing so many times throughout my life back then, and and it was so uneventful. I you know nothing happened. There was no no bites, and then I would have forgot about this, right? But because of what happened, I I'll never forget it now. I mean, this giant craft shows up, and were the lights just like regular white lights, no colors? <laughs> It was just, yeah, they were like white lights. That's what they look like, like whitish. But it looked strange. The, the whole thing looks, it looked, I can't even, it's hard to describe. It wasn't, it was, so, it was solid. I mean, it was a solid light. And the way it moved and the smoothness of it, the the, the silence. And it was just, it was incredible to see this. It was just, an, I mean, this, it was stunning. Like you're fishing, nothing's going on. All of a sudden there's this giant thing hovering right right in front of me like i was like i was within 20 feet of it that's that's it was and that's when it stopped for a few seconds and then start moving in a different direction it came like it moved like it moved like in a triangular uh the way it came in and then came to us like in a triangle you know, and then moved away in a different direction but it like it formed a triangle the way it flew uh, did the uh thought of running ever occur to you it actually, uh, the thought of, yeah, the thought of getting out of there when he shined the flashlight on and I had this image in my head, I, I knew of the Pascagoula incident, for incident, for instance, yeah. at that time. And I yeah. was thinking that thing's going to land right here and we're going to get dragged into this craft and who God knows what's going to happen. That's what start going through my head. I don't want this to happen. And that's when I said, let's get out of here. And he, he, he didn't even question it. He just started throwing everything in the truck. He knew, uh, he, he realized too, I think, uh, at that moment, you know, we're get out of here. You know, yeah, you, uh, we, you we don't want this. You weren't catching any fish anyway. Yeah. Uh, here, Here's the the, uh, the question we often want to know. Uh, you know, who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the question. You know, I mean, if we had if we had a, a list of questions that would definitely be on them. You know, what's the meaning of life? Uh, you know, uh, what's how does the universe work? You know, whatever we'd ask. Those are definitely them. Uh, all unanswered. We have no idea why, why whatever it is is here. Uh, no. So, your area, Pennsylvania, has a, has a lot of uh, amazing events that happen quite often. And you know, you recently went to the Kecksburg, and that's that's a little slightly controversial as well. That could have been a satellite. People are talking that could have been a military satellite, and it could have moved because that's what those things actually did. They had ways to uh, shift in the sky. That's what always made Kecksburg a uh, very, you know, uh, like uh, really interesting was the way it moved. And then come to find out we had these type of satellites that when they were reorbiting or whatever with the film case in them. I, I don't know if you heard about that whole situation or not, but uh, they had the film cases and they would actually come to the ground and be retrieved and all that. Um, so, you know, Kecksburg is iffy, there's, but it's one of these things that, 
it's just perpetuated. And uh, I don't really, uh, maybe just like Roswell, we may never know. What do you think about it in general? Uh, I, I think it could have been extraterrestrial. I really don't know. Uh, now, the thing the, the thing about Kecksburg, that whole area there, at Stan, we were talking about Stan Gordon earlier uh, before the show. Uh, uh, he's he's interviewed so many different people. There's a lot of weird stuff. I don't that, That's on the western side of Pennsylvania, Kecksburg, near Pittsburgh. I'm on more on the eastern side, closer to Philadelphia. And uh, there's a in that little region that Stan uh, lives in and where Kecksburg is, there's just so much weird thing. So many weird things that happen there. There's a, a big it's not just UFOs. There's a lot of UFOs, a lot of extraterrestrial encounters, a lot of Bigfoot uh, encounters. There's so much weird stuff out there that Stan and I, for some reason, it seems like areas like certain areas of this world. It seems like it's more prevalent than in others. And that seems like one of them out there for some reason. And I don't know if Kecksburg, if what crashed there was extraterrestrial, but then if it wasn't, I mean, why, why are we still being lied to about it all these years? I mean, if it was just some satellite or, or, or something like that, why not just tell the truth after all this time? I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think the only reason yeah. not to tell the truth is because they don't, I think there's most certainly some sort of a control group out there that's in charge of keeping this secret. And maybe that's why we don't know anything about Kecksburg is because it is extraterrestrial and they don't want us to, they don't want to, anyone to know the reality of the extraterrestrial presence. Uh, yeah. I feel like we're being gaslighted with all of this stuff. Like, I mean, all even right, well, let's, let's get into it. I, I want to know how exactly yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people with this same kind of thoughts. So how do you think that's all working? You think this whole thing is like a type of situation of a lot of disinformation thrown at us? Yeah, it's 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 so I mean, I mean, just recently when we just talking about that, that that guy at aerial school, that's I think that's disinformation of some form. But I mean, with when it comes to the government, I mean, I mean, instead of playing all these games with the hearings and all of that stuff, why not just there's this control group obviously there's been things that have happened for many decades now like people like researchers like uh richard dolan uh in his books he's he's uh talked about all these things written about all these things uh uh you see all the stuff that's been going on since since this all started uh uh i i donald kehoe uh, talked about a lot in, in some of his books back in the 50s and 60s uh, there's most certainly a cover-up. Uh, it's a, a secret group, and and why not? It's, why not just jump from uh, uh, to the end of this? Why play this game with having hearings and whistleblowers and all that stuff? Because why do it? Why why not just somebody come out already and just tell us the truth rather than playing these stupid games? I feel like we're just being gaslighted. All still, I mean, even with the hearings, and even though it's a step forward, I guess I look at it like that. But at the same time, it's like. We shouldn't have to be playing this game. Let's just get it over with and and just tell the truth already. A lot of us out there know it. I know that something's here. I've had my own experiences. I've done enough research to know this for a fact, and I'm just tired of it. It's very frustrating from, from my point of view, and I think a lot of people are feeling the same way, and yeah. I'm just tired of it. I, I hear these debunkers, the stupid stuff they say. I, I'm so I'm, I'm just done with all of it, the, the Mick West of the world and the – uh, who's did so many different that Stephen, Stephen Green, Green oh God, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's really, uh, you know, there was a, uh, you know, I I got to hang out a lot with Nick Pope uh, this this weekend. You know, some people say he's, there's some controversy there. He was only a file clerk or whatever, whatever they say, but still he's uh, he's really articulate. Really looks deeply into this topic. 
And he makes he made a point this weekend at his talk that I often say similar things. And to kind of go along with what you're saying, the possible reason for cover-ups. And that is, I think it, and, and Nick said the same thing, that I think it's very possible that they don't know exactly what it is, for sure. They know possibly more than we do. I, I do believe they know more than we do. And But what I think is that they don't have the whole picture, and because they don't have the whole picture, then they realize that they can't protect us from whatever it could be. So that's the reason I think that for us to actually get like a full disclosure of the government saying, hey, look, we've known for a long time this is happening. And uh, unfortunately, we, we don't know exactly what it is. For them to say something like that, you know, they're, they're not going to say it, I don't think. So I think that is a reason for part of why we don't, you know, we don't get a lot of movement forward. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think there's like, I think you're, I think that's definitely one of the reasons, right? I think the reason that they, the fact that they've been lying so long, it's going to look bad when they finally do tell the truth. I mean, people already have a distrust of government. So then when yeah. the truth finally does come out, it's going to be say, you've been, say, you see, they've been lying the whole time, you know? So they're going to, yeah. there's, there's that element of it. There's the reverse engineering aspects to it, which I'm sure is going on. I'm sure that they have recovered craft uh, based on all the research stuff, things done, research by Leonard, the late Leonard Stringfield. Uh, I mean, there's most certainly a reverse engineering program going on. And just as reported by people like David Grush, and there's other whistleblowers who we don't really know much about yet, but they've been talking to behind the scenes. So you have that. And the fact that they don't, like you said, they don't, we, they don't know. How could they, how could anybody possibly know? We, I don't think we'll ever know. We don't even know how many could possibly be coming here. And, and what are the, the motives of all of them? The motives of one group might be totally different than the motives of some one of the others. We don't even know if all of these other, like how many are coming here and do all of them that are coming here know that, th that there's other ones coming here? There's so many different questions and how are they going to answer that? How are they going to answer uh, stuff like that that is uh, put out there like by people like David Jacobs who puts books out like The Threat and uh, walking among us, who he suggests after you know all these people who have been abducted, and there's a hybridization program from all his research. That's what he's come up with. I mean, how how is the government going to ever try to explain that? Well, yeah, there's these beings that they're you know they're coming in, they're abducted people. They're uh, uh, there's a hybridization program. They're putting uh, beings among us that look like uh, us, but they're not us. Uh, but that's all. There's nothing to worry about. You can go home. To, they can't talk about how are they going to talk about that? I mean, it's, it's so complex. There are so many issues with it, but at the same time. By not talking about it, you, you, the scientific community, for the most part, is locked out. Nobody really wants to go near it. Some people are more so now today than before. But still, you got to get the scientific community, the entire scientific community involved, no matter how scary or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's the biggest reason why we need, need to end this cover-up because of that. Right, right. Uh, I just was reminded of when I did my talk this weekend up in Shag Harbor of uh, uh, when I was going through the talk, I I bring up uh, in my PowerPoint presentation the fact that in the 1990s, I had a uh, insurance broker in my house who said that he was part of the U.S. Air Force that was investigating UFOs in Vietnam during Vietnam when napalm was happening and things like that. They would show up and stuff like that. So anyway, my question to him, you know, before he left that night was the question everybody wants to know, what do they want? And and I said, well, what what does the government think they want? Do you know that much? And he says, 
they think that we're a Petri dish. I'll never forget that. You know, and that was long before I ever thought about doing a show or of any kind on this or even had much of a big interest in it. Um, so I think that's still a possibility. You know, you're saying, you know, all these different groups are coming here. Maybe we're a Petri dish for a lot of places, you know, that yeah. the universe coming in. Who knows? You know, it's it's all it's all fascinating. The, I mean, the prevalent ones seem to be the, you know, you hear a lot of the stories of the encounters that m many people have had seem to be between the, the, the short grays, tall grays, reptilian type beings, and these praying mantis, praying mantis ones. And it seems like they have some sort of a program, but then they hear other stories. And that seems the prevalent, that seems like the most uh, things that you hear of. In fact, I think when you look at the Turkey UFO videos, for, for instance, that's what you're seeing. I think you're seeing those beings. That's what I think you're seeing in there. That's my opinion. Doesn't make me right but that i believe that that's what we're seeing but then you have other cases like the for instance like the pascagoula case those that what those things i've never heard those descriptions before uh or the or just the we're just talking about steven spielberg's new documentary series uh the broadhaven incident the the beings that people were seeing there these seven foot tall creatures that's different than a lot of uh, other reports seven foot tall faceless things i mean I, yeah, it's all different scary. everywhere yeah yeah, it's, yeah. here's another question here and uh, do you think it's possible that the ETs are forcing the government to cover it up? That's an interesting angle. As fa fantastic as that sounds, yes, it's very possible. I mean, if these beings have the ability to basically f make people forget experiences, abductions, that that, 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 that doesn't, uh, uh, ex that would not exclude anybody in the government. They're human beings too. If, you know, it could be that these UFO crashes, like the Roswell crash and the Aztec UFO crash and the crashes that occur after that all these years, maybe they weren't really crashes. Maybe they were setups. Maybe they wanted to get to the, the heart of the control of this world of the country here like for instance so really it's not that it's it really was it was a planned crash and then you, you, you uh, these uh, the 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 people at the top of this governmental chain the aliens knew this in advance they take that stuff in and then somehow they figure out how we tick and that's how they that maybe that's the reason for crashes too i don't know it's just it, all of it is speculation, but yes, I think it could be possible if, if they could do the things that they do to certain people, like in, in abduction accounts, then why wouldn't they be able to do it to our officials in the government? For all we know, it is possible that some uh, extraterrestrial uh, beings have uh, infiltrated the governments in the, in the most secretive levels and are pulling the strings behind the scenes. And that's why there's still, that's why there's a cover up. That's possible. I don't know, but that's, these are the kind of ideas that go through your head because of the cover up. It may all, all you could do is speculate. So that makes that a possibility. Yeah, that's right. That's all we can do is speculate. And by the way, they probably do a better job at running the government. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably anyway, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we need the truth no matter what it is, says Bill. And you're right, Bill. We do. Um, whether we'll see it or not uh, remains to be seen. You know, uh, uh, we can only uh, just do what we can do on our side of the street, which is, you know, keeping things straight. There's a lot of, you know, people that I, I mean, we're in such a hard time right now. I had this discussion with a few people this last weekend where what are we going to be able to believe from now on when it comes to videos, pictures, the new AI uh, pictures out there? You can say, basically, give me a Bigfoot in 1929 uh, with some lumberjacks. And now you have this beautiful sepia tone image of, uh, of 
uh, it looks just like a, a Bigfoot or an ape, you know, like 20 feet tall with lumberjacks and everything looks as pure as can be. Even Yuri Geller was fooled. Uh, he was posting things out there because he thought it was real. Um, and then, you know, videos, the deep fakes, and they're, they're going to get, you know, we're lost right now yeah. as far as uh, anyone getting something really good on, on film. I think it would really be hard to prove something. They would have to be time stamped on a phone, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to be believed. It's going to get worse. Like you said, I think it's going to, you're absolutely correct. It's going to get even worse as time goes on. I mean, only the real images that you could trust are a lot of the older images when there were, really were no ways to trick these things. Like I believe, for instance, like the McMinnville photo was not tricked. I believe that yeah. those people, the Trents actually saw that and they took a picture of it. And that's exactly what you're seeing is what they saw in that picture. Like I think that the uh, Rex Heflin pictures from 1965 where uh, he saw that flying saucer, he took a couple of different uh, three, I think, pictures, four pictures yeah. they're pol real polaroids polaroids and, uh, yes yeah they're in a safe in california i i talked to uh boy i can't remember the daughter of uh that famous ufologist uh just can't remember begins with an a i just can't remember her last name but anyway uh, yeah they're in her safe and when her mother passed away she's she's guarding them you know as as we go through it and i think they'll get into you know david marles is doing this wonderful job with archives in new mexico and i think you know, he, they'll, they'll be safe in a place like that. But, yeah, good to preserve it. Uh, here's an interesting point right here. Isn't it just possible that ETs are allowing, not forcing the government to cover, to continue the cover-up? Well, obviously, I guess they are because they could certainly, um, you know, it's kind of silly when you say the White House lawn. But it's, uh, you know, when I've talked to people, what it, you know, how do you think a disclosure could come about? Usually it's like, a mass undeniable sighting with, you know, direct contact, you know, type of thing. That's, that's, if the government doesn't come out and say it, it's going to take something like that. But I don't know if you caught this, but Ross Coldhart from Australia is now saying that he believes, I'm not sure where he's coming up with this, but he believes within 12 to 18 months that we're going to know exactly that we're not alone and that we're going to know, you know, this information. I, I've heard these kind of claims made before, and uh, exactly, and, uh, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I until it happens, you know, I, I I hope Ross is right. I mean, he has his he has uh, con more contacts than I have. I mean, I'm just basically what I'm doing. I'm just basically looking at the whole thing and giving my commentary. Uh, I do talk to some people sometimes, but uh, for the most part, I'm just giving my view of it. Uh, but Ross obviously is someone who uh, has his fingers on the pulse of this whole thing a lot better than I got uh, right now. And he's talking to people and maybe he knows something that we don't, but I don't know. I, I, I've been hearing this stuff before. Yeah. It's going to be this year. You know, I, yeah. early, you know last year is 2023 is a year. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're getting somewhere we're moving forward, but again, it's to me, it's all a big gaslighting effort because we're still playing these dumb games. David Grush comes out and then you, you basically people are slam dunking him uh, ever since you got a lot of people who don't, uh, 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 yeah, you know what I mean? They don't, uh, they, they just don't, uh, uh, they're not going there. They just, they can't accept it. So they, they make fun of him and they make a fool out of him. And so we're, we're, we're still not getting anywhere. It doesn't matter what he says. He doesn't have the evidence. So we're still stuck. Uh, in the, we're, the wheels are spinning in the mud right now. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, you know, people have said something along the lines of, uh, well, you know, 
Grush is, is uh, just, uh, you know, full of, you know what, whatever. And I was actually at the hearings. I don't know if I told you that I made it inside the hearing room. Um, but it, to me, why would he, why would he bother? You know, why would he bother putting his whole career, his whole life on the line and lie about it? You know, is it possible that it's disinformation? That would have to be really orchestrated very, very well to have done that type of thing. I think it's a for real type of situation. And uh, I'm I'm interested. And, you know, they are supposed to be, I think, did I hear uh, 12 more or so whistleblowers that... Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot more. I think more than that, actually. But the whole thing is, is that uh, you know, he he's come forward, and and the and the Senate, you know, which that that recent legislation from Chuck Schumer. When you see that kind of stuff, they the people in Congress know more than than. I mean, they wouldn't be doing these things unless they are pretty confident there's something going on. There's a tug of war going on right now between two different factions within the government. One that wants to keep it a secret for whatever reason. The other one that wants to that believes it's time to get it out there. That's what it feels like to me. Right. Right. So we're going just to let the listening audience know we're going on for uh, 55 minutes uh, total today. Uh, I feel like, Jim, I feel like saying to you, I already want to have you come back again. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll come yeah. back. It was a yeah. lot of fun. But- yeah, yeah. So uh, I have the lines open. If anyone wants to call in, that number is eight five five four seven two five four eight three. Chanel is standing by, and uh, just make sure you have a good, clear signal when you call in. And uh, this is for either one of us, and we're ready to go. If you'd like to call in, we only have uh, around ten minutes or so for phone. So if you want to call in, please do so now. Um, so what have what is some of your favorite cases. We both think I, that at the Ariel school incident is way up there. I, I call it my number one myself. Um, but what do you think some other really fascinating and undeniable cases are? Well, I think uh, you have to say that the Pascagoula, uh, that's undeniable. Those guys weren't lying. I mean, you had the yeah. the, the the conversation that was secretly recorded in the in yeah. the sheriff's department at the later on. I mean, there's just too many elements. Those guys, why would they make it up? And unfortunately, uh, Calvin Parker just recently passed away. They're both now gone. Yeah. Uh, right. But he lived his whole life. It ruined his life. I mean, a lot of people, you hear when you hear the human stories, like you watch for just for instance, the Broadhaven uh, uh, incident, the Broadhaven Triangle that was just talked about on that uh, documentary from Steven Spielberg, that uh, those people aren't lying. You see all these witnesses. I mean, I think that's a great case. That's fantastic. Well, how could all these yeah. people be lying? They're, they're, they, they all, there's witnesses, multiple witnesses. That's a great, there's multiple great cases. Uh, I, I, the one, uh, uh, the, another great one. I think the Travis Walton one is a great case. I know he gets slammed a lot, but you had six other witnesses. They all passed lie detector tests. How could you know he's been telling the same story all these years? That's a fantastic case. Uh, the the Rendlesham Forest is is an interesting. That's one of the most fascinating cases. I think. I mean, you can't. How could you deny it? They had you had you, so many people, so many witnesses. It it's real, and I know it's real too. That's the other thing is when I hear these people talking like they don't believe it. Uh, debunkers. Well, you don't have this proof. But but, but to me, pe- the t- testimony from multiple people, especially multiple witnesses at this, you know, at, at a certain event. How could you deny it? I, I mean, I feel yeah. like I know I'm right. I know they're wrong because I had my own experiences. So in my head, I know that these people are, they're, they're just not getting it. Uh, for right. some reason, we're scared. They're scared. There's a, the people I think are scared. Uh, yeah. But like we, some of the cases, like we were talking about, the, the, 
the Pascagoula incident. I, have to, I, I, I love that case. I think that's that's an undeniable one to me. I, yeah. I believe those two guys wholeheartedly. And if you haven't looked into the Allagash incident, that's another. Oh thing. my God! Yeah, I read yeah. that book, the Allagash. Yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Allagash Four. I mean, there's no question. <laughs> How's so those guys our, making it up? We have our buddy on line one, Phil from Michigan. Uh, let's see. We got to get got to get this up here. And Phil yeah. from Michigan. Hey, hello. I wanted to thank you for your show, Jim. I stumbled across you about two months ago. And I heard you talk about the three stooges of UFOs, and I just <laughs> loved it. I love it when you tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people. like the, I think the debunkers, I think some of these guys, the three stooges uh, that we were talking about there, uh, it feels like we're being gaslighted by certain people, and you got to call it out as it is. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand how anybody could trust the Pentagon uh, uh, with – you know, you hear a lot of Lou Elizondo getting a lot of flack, you know, from the debunkers out there, uh, the three stooges that I was talking about that time. But at the same time, how can you trust what the Pentagon's telling you? You can't. They've been lying about this for uh, almost 80 years now. You can't trust when it talks, when it comes to UFOs, you can never, ever trust the Pentagon. Maybe someday we can, but not at this moment, because I know they're still lying. You know, and that's why I call these people the three stooges, some of them, you know. <laughs> yes you do and i'm glad you do <laughs> hey phil do you do you, you have any uh and and thanks phil for the call and uh, i'm just taking down the phone number because we have another caller on the line but phil do you have a specific question at all that you'd like to ask jim or myself it doesn't matter no i just i i just mainly wanted to say i'm glad that he calls out by name the people who are supposedly ufologists that do nothing but stir the muck like uh, greenwald jr is my favorite one day <laughs> yeah you know i'll tell you something phil i mean i haven't really started complaining about uh john until just recently I, I i actually appreciate the fact that he does uh these freedom of information act requests but uh at the same time i don't understand why he's siding with a creep like uh, Green Street uh, from the New York Post, I don't under I, that, that to me. Why would you ever align yourself with some kind of a clown like uh, Stephen Green Street? That guy is a goofball. I mean, so that's what bothers me about John Greenwald. He needs to get away from that. Pe people like him and Mick West. I think Mick West is another one. I, you know, they, they drive you. I, I don't want to. You know, I'll go off on a tangent here if I. It upsets me. I, I feel like I'm. I, like, yeah. So, Thank Phil, you. thanks a lot. That's great. We're going to bring in our next caller. Talk soon. All right. Uh, we have Christopher uh, from Illinois. Christopher, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, you may okay. want to speak up just a little bit. Uh, yes. My question for you guys are looking at where we're at now with UFOlogy. Where do you see us a couple of years from now? especially after this invasion that they say is coming. This what coming? I'm sorry. So where, where do you see UFO um, the community and everybody a couple of years from now after we have this supposed UFO invasion that they say is coming? I'm not, I'm not sure of the UFO invasion. I'm not really sure I understand that or heard um, anything about that. I'm not sure where, where you got your source uh, inf of information on that. 
but uh, but uh, we can go uh, ahead. We can move forward with a where do you think uh, the UFO you know topic will be within a couple of years? Right. Yeah, Jim, uh, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think you know we're, we we might we might get somewhere. I mean, I think it's possible now that we there is some action. I mean, I think we're going to need somebody from the inside to bring some of the evidence with them to the outside somehow. I mean, someone like a David Grush, except a little bit more so, that comes with the with the with the receipts and says, "Yeah, see, I told you here." Somehow get an extraterrestrial body out there, some sort of evidence, some some piece of extraterrestrial craft. That's possible if you have all these whistleblowers stepping forward. Maybe somebody's going to bring. Uh, sneak some of this stuff out perhaps because uh, that's I, I don't know that might be the only thing that might that could ever that 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 might be the only thing that, that could happen for this to happen we just don't know we don't know the level of uh of uh, uh protection that these that this cover that this group has that is uh, maintaining this secret that these uh, contractors have for instance uh we don't know uh, how difficult it would be to to extract some of the evidence that i'm certain that they have I, somebody from the inside would have to bring it forward to us, I think. May, and that might happen because of the stuff that is happening right now in Congress. Right, right. So I can't believe how the time has fl flown. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I can do the show a little bit longer. I'm a little bit under the weather. So uh, um, otherwise, I would try. And the same was with last week as well. So but it's been really great. And I just have to say that. Uh, uh, it was really a pleasure, and uh, I do believe that uh, you could probably come back every other week if you'd like. <laughs> hey, why not? It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. Uh, it was <laughs> yeah, fun. We could talk all night here, actually, if, yeah, yeah. if we had the time. But of course. That was great. And, that, yeah. and there, there will be a time where they'll be much longer than that. But thank you so much. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. You take care. You too. All right, everyone. I'll be back with Dan from Fifth Pillar of Emphasis next week. I met him at the uh, hearing down in in Washington. And thank you all for hanging in. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.